Welcome to the Solid Verbal. The Solid Verbal. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! I've heard so many players say, well, I want to be happy. You want to be happy for a day? Eat a steak. It's that woo-woo! And now, Dan and Ty. Welcome back to the Solid Verbal, boys and girls. My name is Ty Hildenbrandt. Joining me, as always, over there, the one and only Dan Rubenstein, sir. Sir! How you doing, Ty? I'm doing good. I'm I'm on some new shit. Been yeah. saying yes, yeah, yeah. Instead of no, I thought I saw you at the bus stop. I didn't. Though. You've been listening to folklore, haven't you? <sighs> I'm into it. I'm into it. The new T Swift dropped what two weeks ago before our podcast, or we found out about it before our podcast, something like that. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. It's different. Uh, it's good walking music, Ty. Walking music, you gotta music, go for a yeah. walk, I push the solid toddler, we'll go for a walk, we'll go over to a park or something like that, and maybe while he's, you know, running around flirting with the ladies, sure. going on some swings, maybe I'll pop in a song or two, give me a soundtrack. Usually I like the gnat sound, as they say, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it's a it's good walking music. Sometimes it's just, maybe after he goes down for the night, I'll go for a walk in the neighborhood, I'll just throw on some T-Swift. Sometimes a podcast, sometimes folklore. Supreme washed list activity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ty, I'm advanced. I've been practicing. Go on that nice uh, long walk after dinner. Welcome back to the show. We have <laughs> broken the seal on August as we get a little bit closer to whatever this season is going to look like. We do have some news on that front that we're going to get through. Also of note, we put out the call earlier that we wanted to take your questions. Again, it's August. We generally yeah. do one or two of these shows these Q&A type shows per month. And now that we are getting seemingly closer to a season, it's time for us to do previews, Mr. Rubenstein. Yeah, we are approaching, I was going to say that time, but it's not an annual time that we do this. So yeah, it, it appears that it's time for us to do so. I'm very excited to dive in. The Big 12 is where we're starting. And the Big 12, as we're recording this, Later in the week, we're recording this early on, they're going to announce more schedule specifics. So we'll be armed with more data to talk about what Brock Purdy has in front of him or what Sam Ellinger has in front of him or Keontae Ingram is running into, stuff like that. So I'm excited. I I am too. It feels good to actually go in and do a deep dive on some of these teams. So I'm excited. That'll be on Friday. That show drops. We're going to start previews and... Each of the next, what, four or five shows after that will also be previews as we build towards, again, whatever format this season takes on, we will be with you cheering loudly, hoping that it stays safe and that it's fun. (laughs) Your voice is going up. Got to raise the register here, Dan. It's been a long off season and still an uncertain one at that. Yeah, and I'm excited because obviously timing is pretty variable. We are going to have opportunities as we increase the rate with which we record to maybe update some previews. A quarterback wins a yep. job, somebody gets hurt, a coach gets fired, uh, another schedule adjustment happens. So we're leaving ourselves some wiggle room given the revised scheduling as it stands August 3rd? Today's the 3rd we're Today recording this? Today is the 3rd. This is going to drop on the 5th. So they could call the whole damn thing off by the time the show drops. Yeah, and I think it's actually good that we make that clear because a lot of news drops every hour right now, <laughs> be it with... 
players uniting and taking stands and asking a conference for adjustments to how student athletes, quote unquote, are treated or with how schedules are revised or anything. Coaches making Don't phone calls that they the shouldn't here. be. Come on, come on, come on. Um, you know the drill. It, it's just clear that we're recording this Monday, August 3rd. That's all. Also, going out to solidverbal.com slash store and buy the yeah. new shirt. The Tecmo Solid Verbal, I believe is what you called it. Yeah, it's the welcome screen to Tecmo Super Bowl, the greatest video game ever made. Right, right. Um, and, ah, man, maybe one of the NCAAs was better. There was a, a version of NCAA that licensed a bunch of music. I want to say, like, NCAA 09, 08, somewhere in there, 07. Um, you know, like, De La Soul was on there, I want to say. Maybe the Foo Fighters, all sorts oh, of, like, yeah, crazy Oh, yeah, that's bands. right. That was a fun version. That was a fun version of NCAA. So, other than that... I, I am very partial to a lot of my childhood in Tecmo Super Bowl. And so we we dedicated the theme of the shirt to that. So it's that sort of welcome screen in space for some reason. And very soft, available via our friends at Cotton Bureau. Mama H, by the way, when I was on my way to a golf round on mm-hmm. Saturday morning, wanted to buy one and pointed out that uh, they're available not just in tank tops, but also in sweatshirts. There, yeah, you can get a crew neck sweatshirt, you can get tanks, there's kid sizes, there awesome women's cuts, there's all sorts of options. If, if you want cotton, they got you there as well. I'm We've talked about this before, I'm tri-blend only, so tri-blend, they, yeah. they've got me. All right. And the only other thing that I'll point out, and I won't, I won't give too much of the game away here, but uh, we are planning some exciting events here. I would say over the next few weeks that uh, we're still working on in the lab. But if you haven't already, just go on out to solidverbal.com and sign mm-hmm. up for our newsletter. You can also follow along on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, going out to the subreddit, solidverbal.reddit.com. All those hot spots can help you stay up to date with what we got going on. But we got some cool stuff planned and I'm excited. I'll just leave it at that for now. More to come. Especially... If you live in Christchurch, New Zealand, especially. (laughs) Shall we get to that news? Uh, Yeah. Can you actually play a breaking news question real quick? Sure. Sound bite real quick. Breaking news! Uh, An Instagram user asked us, Cajun truffle oil or regular tot slash fries, which is the best that comes to us from QV Huno that has come in. Ty... Do I should be a little bit alarmed that we're almost at like 50-50. Hey, what five running backs are you most looking forward to watching? And hey, what would you call chicken wings that are named after you guys type <laughs> questions? My answer is basically anytime I see a Cajun seasoning option, I roll with it and it rarely steers me in the wrong direction. Oh, man. All right. Let's get to the actual news here. So you mentioned this at the top, but... Some news towards the latter half of the week last week and then materialized a little bit more over the weekend. Pac-12 football players are showing unity. They are listing demands in a letter to the conference, the group from multiple schools. They penned a letter. It showed up in the Players' Tribune threatening to opt out of fall camp and game participation unless their demands for fair treatment safety regulations, and concerns over racial justice for college athletes are met by the conference. The letter is signed by players of the Pac-12. It uses the hashtag, we are united to explain their concerns, saying, 
quote, because NCAA exploits college athletes physically, economically, academically, and also disproportionately harms black college athletes. Hashtag we are united. This garnered a lot of attention over the last few days. Very interested to see where this all goes to what end the Pac-12 and member schools are able to meet some of these demands. Uh, I will say that they waited for the right time to, you know, cash in their bargaining chip because right now with things as uncertain as they are in and around the world of college football, if you've got a workforce, quote unquote workforce that just decides, ah, we're good, that would Mm -hmm. really put things in a bind. So I admire the timing of this for sure. Oh, absolutely. No, I, I, the organization, the timing, the messaging in large part. And one of the things I think gets overlooked a little bit, this is a negotiation. The, the grander group of college athletes as a whole don't have representation. So they've banded together in the way that they, that I guess Pac-12 football players can. And that, I think it started on GroupMe. It started with some Cal football players and branched out from there. A lot of uh, pretty well-known Pac-12 players were on board with this and shared the messaging yesterday on social media. So it certainly garnered a lot of attention. But yeah, between the health stuff, which all made sense, all of the concerns about safety protocols and health insurance after playing, nothing really all that unreasonable, just a tricky situation perhaps with some of the revenue asks. I think there was an ask for about 50% of uh, revenue to be distributed to players and dipping into endowments, which is more complicated since endowments are earmarked for specific things by the people giving the money to save. And we saw Stanford cancel a number of Olympic sports. Uh, The social justice, the racial justice stuff all was... It just seemed like a no-brainer. Let's listen to people more. Let's create scholarships for low-income people more. Let's have a more open conversation, more due process. All of these things from a human level all seem like very reasonable, thoughtful asks. Um, One of the, I wouldn't say problems, is just the revenue thing is tough because college football is built on not handling revenue all that responsibly as it relates to other similar professionalized sports and so that's the 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 understanding i have is it's the the beginning of a negotiation how can we help to distribute revenue with those who help to generate it and i think that is a a reasonable conversation a reasonable ask and the hope is that things evolve from a human perspective it's you, you see a lot of people, and this is the straw man argument, come out, whether they're in the media, whether they're fans in general. And I don't necessarily think it's a bad faith place. I, I think people like the sport for different reasons. And they see, say, scholarships and, and room and board as, well, I didn't get that. They should be lucky that they get that. I don't know if I want to open the the can of worms thing about what college football players do and don't have. But it's clear this season is largely happening for revenue purposes. And oh, yeah. The not revenue, even, right. Not even a question. That that football helps to generate and helps to garner. So if that's the case, these players have even more leverage than usual. And we saw, I think it was a, a top Washington corner, Elijah Molden. He shared something and it, I thought it was very thoughtful. And then Trevor Lawrence who might be the highest profile college football player on the planet right now, he shared what Elijah Molden had to say. So it seems like you're never going to really get change without 
a ton of buy-in from big names with big platforms. Right. And that's what we're seeing right. more and more. So I, I, I found it to be fascinating. I really hope for their sake because, and this is, I, I think I can speak for you, but I can definitely speak for myself. My favorite thing about college football is watching college football players play college football. So anything that is college football player forward, I'm in favor of. That's my favorite. It's my literal favorite part with grilled Mexican food coming shortly thereafter. Yeah. And truly, it is the next frontier. Yeah. In college football, the players finding their collective voice about this or something else. We saw it with the NIL legislation, which at some point we'll dive a little bit more into. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is the next frontier. Where do you see this going realistically? And is it something that you could see getting worked out or having a like a beta agreement before yeah, I think it's, fall camp. I think it's the beta agreement. One of their specific asks was for some sort of task force to help with some of the racial injustice topics right. that were voiced in this letter. Um, that strikes me as a, as a quick win, something that can be organized very quickly and can have great effect. There are other things here that are more systemic, right? Like the whole financial model here is a big deal, right? Yeah. That's a system upon which the entire sport is built. It's going to take a while to work through the details on that front. But I think if we can get some sort of buy-in from member institutions that they're going to work with this group of players, that's where I would expect this to go next. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and there are a number of smart people you can follow on this on, on social media. I saw Michael Felder, who's terrific. I think he's, I don't know if he's Michael Felder in the bleachers on Twitter, but I've, you know, we've been following him forever. He played defensive back at North Carolina and mentioned the facilities thing. Why do exorbitant and beautiful facilities exist? Well, it's sort of a recruiting arms race. It's to keep players in the facility, uh, watching film, being around other players, buying in and not necessarily becoming full college students. And it's even more recruiting. It's even more recruiting. And so one of the things that the players in the, the Pac-12 United uh, statement made was we're spending so much money on everything but the people on the field. And so that's that's the interesting thing to me is how this changes the bottom line and the uh, the spreadsheets across the sport. Because what a, a Texas spreadsheet, what an Ohio State spreadsheet looks like is not what a Mount Union spreadsheet looks like, is not what a Texas track and field spreadsheet looks like. So it's fascinating to see if this gets, um, at least there, there is an incremental change that happens in the next month or so before the season starts. All right. So to pivot off of that, Washington State head football coach Nick Rolovich tells wide receiver Cassidy Woods, that joining the Unity Group, the one we just discussed, would create, yeah. quote, an issue. Now, Cassidy Woods called to inform Nick Rolovich that he was going to opt out of the season. He's got sickle cell trait. Mm -hmm. He would be at an enhanced risk, obviously, for the coronavirus. No big deal on that front, right? Rolovich told Woods, no big deal. Right. No problem there. What he would have a problem with is if he opted to be part of the unity movement, the group that we just discussed, the ones that are threatening to opt out this season, if the Pac-12 does not meet a series of demands, quote, that's going to be an issue if you align with them as far as future stuff, Rolovich said, according to the Dallas Morning News, quote, the COVID stuff is one thing, but joining this group, it's going to be different. If you say I'm opting out because of COVID and health and safety, I'm good. 
but this group is going to change how things go in the future for everybody, at least at our school, end quote. That's a really bad look there. Um, perhaps there is more context that will come out that will make it look better. But call was on recorded, its face, Ty. On its face. Yeah. On, I'm trying to give folks the benefit of the doubt, but it's hard. On its face, that is certainly not a good look for the new head football coach at Washington State, Mr. Rolovich. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to look at this from all perspectives, but the call was recorded. There is a transcript to the call. It's not a terrific look for Nick no. Rolovich, especially since he hasn't coached a single game or a full spring practice session or full fall camp. He is brand new. And the most important thing, if you if you asked any coach about what is what is the most important thing when you become a new coach, it's generally you got to win over the locker room and get buy in. You got to get everybody believing in you, believing in your vision, believing in you as a human and how you are going to day to day take this program from A to B. And ah, it's rough. Not it, it a is great absolutely way rough. to start your tenure. No, and not in Nick Rolovich's defense, but I can I can see that Nick Rolovich is saying, OK, I need buy in. If somebody's opting out, I don't want them at practices. I don't want them in the locker room. If they're opting out for health reasons, it's not it's for the best that they're not there, perhaps distracting or just sort of on the sidelines. By the way, Nicole, our back, our friend, shortly after some of this news broke on Twitter that no, no, this is this is because of him opting out. He has to leave. He can't practice. That's part of the rules. And more came out after that. The transcript, the recording of the call, et cetera. And that sort of puts us where we're at right now. It seems like the we when we hear about coaches sort of making fools of themselves, or the optics are that a coach has made a fool of himself, it seems like he is not there for his players. And he's he's there for him, and he's there to be a football coach. And even if that is more true than not. It seems like the best coaches in this situation, and I've heard about conversations that have happened on multiple campuses, it seems like the best coaches say to their players, hey, I really am interested by the the stuff you put out. I just want to let you know I have your back and anything that I can do to clarify anything to be there for you, send me a text, give me a call, here's my number. Nick Rolovich saying, we may need you to clear out your locker. It probably could have been handled. It definitely could have been handled better. And it's and I, I think it was Bomani Jones who said this, that Washington State's already a very difficult place to recruit to. It is not a traditional college and college football program that recruits top level talent. It is not near any big high school talent bases. And so for Nick Rolovich, without having coached a game to give himself this to self-inflict this sort of reputation about not having his players backs and not being able to convey what he's trying to convey in a mature leadery way i don't know i don't know what his long-term future looks like because nah, you got to convince parents on the road that you're there it's for your sons luck. say no and more this it's is, bad luck <laughs> and how many people knew luck. How many people knew his name before yesterday? I know. How many, I know. How many I know. West Virginia fans? How many Miami fans? How many Texas Tech fans? How many Wisconsin fans knew Nick Rolovich's name before yesterday? I know. I know. I'm and with now you. they know his name. Okay. Staying with the Pac-12, been a busy news cycle out West. They approved on Friday a 10-game conference-only slate for football. We don't have to spend a whole lot of time on this one. 
We do have right. a bunch of questions that we want to get to, but uh, 10 game schedule, conference only, beginning on September the 26th with, quote, a lot of built in flexibility. Each team's going to play five home, five road games. The Pac 12 championship will be played at one of the home sites. It's not going to be played in Vegas. The higher ranked, yeah. Yeah, the higher ranked home team, either on December 18th or 19th. They worked out some sort of deal where they're going to start the Vegas game next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then games that can't be played on their scheduled dates are going to be made up in one of the bye weeks or in week 12, which is December the 12th. So, um, you know, whether they could pull it off or not is the operative question. And as we speak, as I think you said at the top, the Big 12 trying to work towards their own model, trying to get some agreement there. Uh, there's also one, yeah. Yeah, there's also a big NCAA Board of Governors meeting that's going to drop on Tuesday. So perhaps a lot of this stuff will be irrelevant by the time folks listen on Wednesday morning. But um, that is the state of play right now. The only other thing that I'll add here, this is just a follow-up to a story that we discussed on the last show about Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech, the prized defensive back opting out, going to focus on the draft. Remember, lost a parent two years ago, didn't want to run that risk with another. He also adds that uh, because of Virginia Tech's rudimentary and or non-existent health and safety protocols, that contributed to his decision as well. Quote, this year at Virginia Tech, at our workouts, I started having deep concerns about staying healthy. Guys are going home, going to Myrtle Beach, coming back up to campus. We weren't getting tested. We're all together, working out close to each other. One day I looked around. We were like 100 deep in our indoor facility, no masks. My concern grew more and more. Yeah. And I don't fault players. I mean, I don't fault Caleb Farley. I don't even fault players for being in a large group without masks. I mean, yes, they're at fault, but it's the responsibility of the grownups in the room to be very clear about protocol, to be very clear. Like if we're not wearing masks, we're not working out. If we're not working out, we're not playing. It's it's very strange to me. I think I just came into this with the assumption that like, oh, all of these major college football programs have the means to convey protocol. That anytime you're inside, you're wearing a mask. Anytime you're practicing, this is what we're doing. Anytime, you know, this is how we clean up after practice. This is how we're dealing with footballs and goalposts or whatever. I guess they're not really touching goalposts all that much. But for a place like Virginia Tech, if this is true, which I have no reason to believe it isn't, kind of shocking. No. I can understand a tiny school really having trouble keeping up with whether it's a money thing, whether it's a supply thing, a testing thing, whatever. Virginia Tech makes a lot of money. They're an ACC school. They've played in recent huge bowl games. And if they're not able to get their messaging to their players, I imagine they're not the only school. I hope they are because that's extremely worrisome if they are, but, uh, or if they're not, but man, this is, this is rough. This is, this is a, I I totally get where Caleb Farley's coming from. We'll see if there are other players. We'll see which direction this all goes, but uh, adding a little bit more, insight to his decision that's all we have for now there could be more news by the time this breaks that is sort of the way it goes in the world of podcasting we did get a bunch of questions would you like to get to those yeah let's get to those congratulations skippy you've got mail you've got mail on the solid verbal generally speaking dan about once a month Mm -hmm. we like to pay homage we like to pay homage to the people that write in, solidverbal at gmail.com, to us on Instagram, on Twitter, on 
Facebook, uh, Juno. I don't know. However you get the stuff to us, we do our best to read it. Good. We received a fantastic question here from Eric. He writes in via email and says, guys, I was wondering if you can help settle a bet. Something we've done in the past, Dan. Don't, oh, don't see any reason we can't do it here. In 2016, a friend and I made a little wager. Basically, will Notre Dame join a football conference before 2026? We were no more specific. That's more or less the exact wording. We obviously did not anticipate this situation. So, should Notre Dame, quote unquote, joining the ACC for this season count? That is from Eric Dan. How do you feel so about I don't, this bet? Would you count it? I don't know the language that they used. If it's simply, will Notre Dame football join a conference before 2026? Notre Dame has joined the ACC before 2026. If the wording of the bet is not, will Notre Dame become a full-time member right, right. of a conference? Might be different. That's semantics. Right. But the fact is... Notre Dame is playing an ACC schedule, is eligible for the ACC championship game. And how many non-ACC opponents is Notre Dame going to play this year? Uh, maybe one if things I go think, well. I think, I think probably zero, maybe one, which is no different than any other ACC team. So I think Notre Dame's an ACC team. I think Notre Dame's an ACC team. If there is if it no... it didn't say full-time membership, yeah. If there is no legally binding contract containing specific language if you're being very vague and broad <laughs> right eric i think you got to pay out the bet i don't know which side of this bet you took mind you right but uh i think it counts i think it has to count right oh yeah do you think it we got a question on instagram do you think it's you know more likely that notre dame and other independent schools army byu are our big notable ones you know is army going to join the american if they ask them to is byu going to join the the big 12 are they going to go back to the mountain west if they're asked to do you think this unique earth situation makes it such that that could happen? I, I don't know what the output is. I don't know. Uh, I could certainly make a case for it. Here's what I right. do think. I do think that the sport is fundamentally going to be changed moving forward. Yeah. In many ways that we probably can't predict, but Notre Dame getting this exposure, hopping into the ACC if only out of necessity for one football season, one shortened football season, there will be some output from that experience that they will find valuable. The whole thing still may not outweigh. You're, you're such an IT guy. There's going to be output. <laughs> well, there will be. There will be something yeah. that comes. There'll be out, I, I was thinking outcomes, but yeah. And outcomes, sure. Outputs and outcomes, yeah. There will be something that comes from this that I wholeheartedly expect they will be very happy about. Will it be enough to sway them from independence, a culture that has permeated Notre Dame for decades? You know, probably not in the short term. I think what I do think, though, I hate is, when I get permeated by culture. <laughs> are you? Listen, if you're not making fun of the Globe tomatoes, you're making fun of the permeation. It's the culture that has permeated Notre Dame for decades. OK, sorry. You scoundrel. Okay. Okay, well, back back to the serious topic of this, Dan, <laughs> if I could for a second. <laughs> I talked about how we're recording this on a Monday. Yeah. There's a board of governors meeting on Tuesday in the NCAA. Mm -hmm. I don't know how it 
relates to Notre Dame or BYU or Army, but if the Board of Governors decides that they're going to cancel the fall championships, but the Power Five somehow finds some way to weasel a season out of the 2020 calendar year, mm-hmm. that to me would be the first like major, major schism between the Power Five, the NCAA, and it could signify maybe cracks in the foundation maybe point a little bit more towards that break with one from the other that we talked about with Richard Johnson. Like, could the Power Five decide that it's sort of quasi going to break away from the NCAA and run football on its own? Yeah, it already sort of does. The NCAA is just there for enforcement and eligibility stuff. But in terms of a postseason, in terms of TV deals and exposure and the the conferences aligning to to sort of govern everything else... They already kind of had, and I saw people talking about this, the NCAA answers to its member schools. So anything new that Power 5 schools would form would be an entity that answers to Power (laughs) 5 schools, which is not all that different from the NCAA, just has a shiny new polish. And the way that the college football playoff is run by who tie? BCS people? It is indeed. Bill is indeed. Bill Hancock. So, yes, I... I could see, in regard to this Instagram question, I could see these schools becoming parts of conferences, but only because I think a lot's going to change with the sport in the next year or two because no, of whatever it is, Pac-12 players, whatever it is, players becoming more vocal and, and revenues becoming more uh, obviously in need of a little bit more redistribution. I think things are going to change. Now, Notre Dame has the cachet to go about things independently because they are that quote-unquote national brand. I'm not doubting it. I just like quoting national brand. Um, right. And they can they can negotiate a TV deal on their own. I don't think there's a national TV deal available for BYU and Army in the same way on network TV that there is for Notre Dame. But I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting because we're going to see at some point, whenever it is TV contracts come up in various conferences, I think gradual reorganization around the reality that college football has in a lot of ways, outgrown college. Yeah. And look no further than our current situation to really highlight the weakness in the system. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Jason writes in, if the college football season does not happen at all this year, which teams benefit the most? Which suffer the most? Consider players incoming, outgoing, lost momentum, coaches aging, coaches getting another year when maybe they don't deserve it. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Show your work. <laughs> I like the end of that. This is this is the Clay Helton question, right? Yes. This is the Clay. So, Helton. This is how Clay Helton stays at USC until 2025. What is your answer? Obviously, Clay Helton is a short-term winner. He doesn't have to play Alabama. He's given more time to sort of get the USC program in order from a coaching and personnel and general uh, infrastructure standpoint. And coaches like Clay Helton, who you know, have been hanging on, whoever that coach is, whoever, you know, a coach may be coming off of a, an uncharacteristic bad 2019 that's going to go farther and farther into the rearview mirror. Uh, you know, like a Dino right. Babers at Syracuse, somebody who followed up a pretty exciting year with a disappointing one in a not all that challenging conference. That, you know, Pat Fitzgerald, probably a big winner. You know, the even though Northwestern isn't a huge, huge national name, Northwestern had a pretty terrible year. David Shaw, pretty big winner. We're not you know, thinking no. about Stanford's disappointing 2019 as much. So from an optics standpoint, 
teams like that from a coach's aging further? I don't know if there's an obvious answer there. I mean, there's no reason to think Nick Saban's retiring because of age at this point. There's, you know, Alabama's still getting it done. Um, momentum wise, maybe. I think schools that have a lot of obvious first round, second round picks who are either not going to play because the season isn't happening or opt out because they don't want to take that chance. Right. You know, Ohio exactly. State, Clemson, Oregon, exactly. schools like that that I think have a lot like, of, you know, if at there least is, have a couple. Yeah. If, if there is no season and, you know, I don't know what that means for players like Ian Book or in Ian Book's type of situation, it it puts schools like Notre Dame in a bind where you've got maybe that returning quarterback and who knows what the eligibility thing is. Maybe he wants to take a run at the NFL for some, I mean, who knows? You have um, to if you're Ian Buck. Yeah, of course. It, it strikes me as, <laughs> but you're really coming at me today. You're just... <laughs> the snark- is, is my presence permeating your takes? The snarkiness is permeating the show. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I feel for the group of five schools, I think they're the big losers. Certainly. If you're not in the power five, it's uh, going to put you in a bit of a state of financial ruin. That's the obvious uh, answer to me. Schools who have recruited really, really well recently and can absorb the loss of newly eligible to the NFL for the NFL draft players, your traditional powers, um, you know, maybe perhaps coaches in year two who have put together their first real recruiting cycle. And so they have their players in the system and have more time to get to know their players and, you know, strengths and weaknesses if there's able to be practiced in some way. I also think big losers are new coaches. Oh, because sure. new coaches are desperate to see what they have with their players and to see what the new school is like and just to to get out on the field and make sense of everything in a, either a year zero or a year one situation. Those are, you know, Mike Norvell at Florida State. I was going to say, uh, yeah. Yeah. Lego Sam Batman, Pittman Dave at Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. All these guys. Those are those are big losers who are and it's champing at the bit, I learned. But you can also say chomping at the bit to just know what they have know what it's like to be a head coach for these guys those are those are some pretty big losers there this is a fun question yeah it's from dan and then beneath dan is one from dave so we've got dan and dave coming back to back here <laughs> shout out Reebok. shout out is it dan klobuchar right i don't Long-time know it just says dan. It, is. it is it is i'm telling you it is if there is spring football how will we designate the 2021 spring and fall seasons 21a and 21b 2021 and 2021-2, Judgment Season. <laughs> 21, A New Hope, and 21, The Season Strikes Back. 2021, Excellent Adventure, and 2021, Bogus Journey. This is a yeah, fantastic like question. Yeah. Um, it's. I mean, it's just going to be Spring 21, Fall 21. It's just going to be a semester type thing, I, I would imagine. Uh, so I would say 2021 spring semester, fall semester. But let's get creative with this, Dan. You know, like All we've right. done the ACC Fat Atlantic. Mm-hmm. We've come up with great names like Duke of Hazard, Alan Lazard. Right. This is a creative outfit here. Spring forward, fall back. I was thinking something like that. You got to <laughs> incorporate the spring and the fall. Yeah, I think daylight savings is a sham. We've all watched Veep. We know. Sure. Um, okay. So you're talking spring and fall seasons and how we go about, I mean, spring break. What is, what is a good idiom with fall? By the way, if we have a season in the spring, (laughs) yeah, there is a fall break, but if we have a season in the spring and it ends after six weeks, that's a spring break, B-R-A-K-E, because puns tie. Right. Um, I'll give it some more thought. 
you can let us know how it's weird it i it's hard to imagine they'd have a spring a full spring and a full fall season it's hard to imagine they would say yeah um we're gonna need you to play some teams i don't know 28 games 29 (laughs) games in 20 that's a lot to ask that's a lot to ask guys um to just take a summer off and not have a full off season and what that does to recruiting and official visits and signing classes i don't know i i think it's if anything is going to happen i think it'll be an attempted fall season if it doesn't happen it doesn't happen and then they're going to try again in august of next year if they really feel good about like a bangers only five game schedule in april may i can understand having five and then a full season in the fall beyond that it's too far to ask then you're going to see a lot more pac-12 players united acc players united mountain west players united all that's going to start up to really come into play i mean we saw what happened when what the nfl tried to add one more game and what the players union pushed back on so and i understand why they didn't want it two more games whatever uh i I think it's gonna get pretty dicey all right so we don't think on names ty all we gotta think on this we'll put this out there maybe on social media that'd be a good one uh dave staying with the subject of playing games in the spring could we get a non-traditional champion Mm -hmm. if they even have a playoff or bcs style champion this is an interesting question to me dan um you know it's not likely it's the same teams playing most of the same teams right they're just confining it a little bit more to conference but uh, i'll harken back to something i said on the last show without the non-conference games typically you would use those just to get a, a, a check on where teams are relative to one another. It's yeah. much tougher to compare conferences if you don't have the non-conference games. So without that, in lieu of that, again, it is Barry Alvarez or people like Barry Alvarez in a room arguing about it. And that to me seems like a great recipe for some weird stuff to happen. Now, it is going to be tough to leave the big guns out the Clemsons and the Ohio States and certainly the Oklahomas. Right. But it, it stands to reason. I think if it were going to happen at all, Mm -hmm. and if we were going to have a weird, like oddball team that works their way into the playoff, this would sort of be the year that it would happen because everything that we'll have to go on will be much more of a limited sample size. What if, hear me out. What if we, in the way that there are different cups, right? In European soccer, there are different tournaments. And even though you didn't win Champions League, you won Euro or FA, FA or whatever. Yep, right. right. So what if any way that we've ever determined a national champion is brought back? And especially if there's no college football playoff and the season just ends after conference championship games and we have three 10-0 teams and two 9-1 teams and then... Uh, in the G5 level, we've got a couple undefeated teams, and it's like, wow, I mean, this the, the American was really tough this year. This, you know, Houston has to be given consideration. ECU has to be considered given consideration, whatever. I think we have a BCS champion. I think we have, we don't have a college, yeah, yeah, let's, let's call it a college football national, college football playoff national champion that's just determined by the playoff committee. There's no actual playoff. It's just a, a playoff committee champion. There is a college coalition champ, so whoever would have won the Orange Bowl or something that year. There is every single way that, you know, there's an AP champion, there's a coaches champion, every single way, everything has to be fully transparent, and we just have like seven national champions. 
Seven national champions. Wow. Yeah. All right. Why not? I mean, it's it's such a weird like to just say, okay, uh, Alabama or Georgia or Ohio State went undefeated and they had the best margin of victory, and it was clear that you know they were a, a class above in a way that no other team was a class above. They're the national champion. That's boring, Ty. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. So I, I'd like it to be uh, sort of more up in the air. I, I think that's the way to go because it's such an up in the air season. You might as well make the, the national champion weird. Patrick, who are your top five running backs going into the 2020 season? Hmm. Good question. I did some research um, for this, Ty. So did I. Travis Etienne is Definitely. my alpha. A close second is Chuba Hubbard. After that, I have a little bit more trouble. After that, I start looking at guys like um, Kennedy Brooks. I start looking at your boy, sure. CJ Verdell. Um, my boy, Journey Brown. Throw That's a name I wrote down. Yeah, Kylan Hill. Um, I have Najee Harris From Louisville, Javian Hawkins from Louisville. Yeah. He's pretty good. I have Najee Harris. I have Keontae Ingram. Performed well against good teams. Jerry and Ely, Ole Miss. Now certainly wasn't a workhorse last year, but the best of Jerry and Ely was really strong. Yeah. It's a good... I mean, I, I don't like putting freshmen on this level yet. We'll see what happens at Georgia uh, with Zamir White, who's finally hopefully healthy. Um, man, this'll be... I, I feel like I'm generally more excited about a returning... CJ Verdell was good and had some really nice long runs, but also some some more inconsistent play earlier on in the season. Mostly, I think Stanford and Auburn were not great. Um, but yeah, I'm, I don't feel like I'm as excited about the the running back class going into the season as I normally am. I don't know. Maybe I'm just I'm, forgetting a lot of guys. We'll see Trey Sermon at Ohio State. Yep, yep. Zach I am Charbonnet. Not, I am not that Haskins. excited about the quarterback class, to be honest with you. I'm okay with the quarterback class. We got Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. They're, well, they're the two. It all the starts top. with Chase Garbers for you. Sure. But then <laughs> after Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence, who's like your third best quarterback in college football? Oh, McHale, obviously. <laughs> what are you talking about? That's a question? Who's your third best quarterback? McHale Cunningham? That's your answer? <sighs> it might be. I like McHale Cunningham. Excuse me. I McHale! Mean, he's just nothing Cunningham. but really good. Um, no, I think I it's a fascinating think... year. So, okay, here's why it's fascinating. So we've seen a lot of very, very good Sam Ellinger and seen some unfortunate Sam Ellinger, but we know him. We're familiar with him. We know what the Sam Ellinger experience is about, and I'm happy to have another year with it. Maybe not all Texas fans are with some of his not-as-fun games. I think he's underrated, um, personally. Spence, Spencer Rattler is exciting to me because he should... We've, we've seen Oklahoma track record. He should have a good year. Okay. This... Hold, hold on, Mr. Permeation. Wait a second. Okay. <laughs> the question was about top five running backs. Yeah. And I shifted it to like top whatever quarterbacks. You're not going to oh, put I'm... Spencer Rattler in that no, discussion. No, I'm not saying... I'm saying I'm more excited about the quarterbacks in the 2020 season. I'm not saying these are my top five, but I'm saying as a general rule, okay. the running backs okay. that we know about and potentially we're going to see step into a bigger role it's there are some years where quarterbacks not that interesting i think with what's what's happening at big schools so you have mac jones and bryce young at alabama so a more veteran steady hand and then the the promising freshman we've seen that situation with alabama before recently um 
Clemson's all set. Ohio State's all set. But Oregon, Joe Moorhead, Tyler Shuck, I think is interesting. Washington is wide open. Chase Garber's, I mean, everybody on the West Coast that talks about Pac-12 football will say, well, he's never lost a game that he played all of in in 2019. Um, the city, you know, Keaton Slovis, I think is probably worthy of top five quarterbacks in the country I think, consideration. I think so. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, yeah, I think across the sport, there's, I think there's more intrigue than there is proven and reliable, but it's interesting to me. And Jared in normal Carantano? years, in normal years, when you've got that kind of uncertainty at the quarterback position, you get some wild results. Yeah, truly. Absolutely. What's going to happen in Michigan? Results. Yeah, I don't sure. know. And and so I I, I tr- sort of share your curiosity around the mm-hmm. quarterback position. But in terms of like guys that we could really hang our hat on outside of Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence, maybe Sam Howell and Keaton Slovis, Sam Ellinger, like outside of a, a very small select group, uh, there, there really is a lot of uncertainty there. Hat hanging is overrated. Wild cards, Ty. Wild cards. That's underrated. All yeah. right. Give me some non-football. We got time for like three or four. Uh, wow. Okay, so this, I'm going to be selfish about this one, both because I think there's, people are either in their homes and they're just really making the most of their time at home during this time, or perhaps there's some movement happening. You know, you're moving closer to family during this right. time or whatever. So Ty specifically this is a question from Tyler, and it's probably for you. Tips for moving to a new house beyond hydrating and stretching, which are both very important, I would say. Maybe maybe take Advil ahead of time before yeah. you move pieces of heavy furniture. Ty, I'm about to move into a rental house. Yeah. Um, you recently purchased a house and moved in from not that far away. If right. you had to give everybody listening tips about what to do when moving into a new house, both the physical move and what you should do once you're already settled, what would they be? As for the physical move, if you can afford to get movers. Oh, yeah. If you can afford to get movers, that's a pro tip right there. Okay. I appreciate Absolutely. that. Absolutely. We have 100%. movers. 100%. You do have movers. We do. Excellent. So that's a huge relief right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thing that I would say moving into a new house is get intimately familiar with some of the DIY YouTube tutorials. Oh, good call. I have learned more about amateur plumbing, odds and ends around the house, have really tried to stay away from the electrical, mm-hmm. but most other stuff. Um, YouTube has been a godsend. What did you have to buy the most of? Because you moved in from like a townhouse situation to a, a full-on house, an FOH. I did, yeah. What were the big purchases early on? Well, the big purchases is that we we, we needed furniture. Yeah, of course, <laughs> we did. We didn't. We didn't have enough furniture because we moved into a bigger place, and uh, you know, yeah, we had, we had some empty rooms here. So, trying to figure out what goes where and how some of our old stuff would fit in with the new place, that uh, that led to a lot of furniture purchases. You big armoire guy. Me, huge armoire guy. You know that about me. Everybody knows that about Ty. Everybody knows that. Permeation and armoires. It's on my Twitter bio. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, the the furniture thing kind of caught me off guard. And uh, so, yeah, I would say if you do the movers, do the movers. Otherwise, get, get familiar with the YouTube DIY section and, uh, you know, 
be prepared to try out some some new stuff. Don't do anything crazy like try to fix your own garage door. I tried that and almost killed myself. Don't yep. don't do that. That sounds dumb. Don't don't try that. There's a lot of tension there. Mm-hmm. Please don't try that. But <laughs> as for things like amateur plumbing and you know, just play it by ear and don't overextend yourself if it looks too difficult. Do you have like a a checklist of when, especially because I am living in cold weather, which is ugh, um, like when valves need to be looked at, making sure water hasn't gone into a basement, making sure pipes don't freeze. Do you have a checklist? You're like, oh, it's getting a little cold. I have to do like a a once over of the old house Are you I doing have, stuff like that? Well, we have the the heating and cooling guy who comes okay. twice a year. Okay. And that's on a schedule as long as you pay your bill. Right. So okay. no, no big deal there. Um most of the other stuff is sort of as you need it. Okay. And sometimes it's not always apparent when you need it. Mm-hmm. That's something that I think you learn as you as you get a house. But um I gotta get a grill that ideally has a gas line hookup. Okay. I don't know if you have a recommendation. And I, I'm speaking to both you and anybody listening. I don't need a huge grill. It's just me and solid wife, Jody with an eye. Sorry, right. Kate's solid wife. It's just me, Jody with an eye and the solid toddler. But don't need a huge one. Don't need a smoker. But it'd be nice to have a quality one that that gets hot, can can <laughs> make all sorts of meats and vegetables on it. That'd be great. Mm. Um, got some patio furniture coming. Yeah, we could talk. We could okay. talk about this. All right. I don't, this is do I need a pellet grill, Ty? What do I need? A pellet grill? Got to get, got to get a gas grill, man. Well, I guess if I'm getting a natural gas line grill, I don't need a pellet grill. But um, yeah. yeah, all right, all I'll right. figure that out. So yeah, I'm gonna pre Advil. I think that's big. Advil not a sponsor, but heavy usage. Um, next James, question. James says, when you close your eyes and say the phrase "college football Saturday," yeah, college football Saturday. What do you visualize? Uh, right now in 2020, is that how you're <laughs> I, interpreting this? I, I guess so. Um, more missed moments because of childcare, <laughs> which is fine. Love the solid toddler, but that's different. And I suppose more room because I'll be in a house. College football Saturday. When I close my eyes, I feel that crisp air. Did you mount Crisp your TVs, by the way? Uh, no, I didn't. Have you ever mounted a TV? I have, yeah. I could help you with that. Did you do it so... I'm not worried about the actual process. I have a 65-inch TV. I don't know. It's probably weighs 40 pounds or so. Did you do it solo? Did you do it with the help of a friend? Did you hire somebody to do it for you? No, I did it with the help of, of a friend. Okay. But... That's, what I, that's my gut, yeah. Yeah. But you could do it with Jody with an eye. You just okay. need to know couple pro tips for how to get that thing mounted okay the brackets are already there so that that oh, part's well, then easy. you're fine oh okay great. then you're fine done all right dan um where do we want to go next give me a question uh well you didn't technically answer the truffle oil or cajun seasoning and tots or fries question i'll go tots or fries so which one no i'm, <laughs> I'm not asking you if you'd rather eat truffle oil cajun seasoning <laughs> solo or tots and fries would you prefer a truffle oil on a totter fry, a Cajun seasoning? I don't even on a know what a truffle oil is. So you know what I'm truffle go, oil is? I have no idea. Cajun seasoning. Truffles are similar to mushrooms. I know uh, that, but I've never okay. had truffle so oil. I think you have. Um, mm. So you're saying Cajun seasoned what? Fries or tots? 
I'll do tots. Same. I'm right there with you. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's go to another question. Oh, we got a cut. We got actually have a bunch of good ones. Um, you want to go to Brandon Kavanaugh? Sure. I'm going to, I'm going to revise his question because I don't know enough college football players personally and about their personalities as much. Let's say a documentary is being put together about how college football players are training slash living their lives during the pandemic. Name five current players you'd like to see profiled in a documentary. I'm going to revise this tie. Yeah. If you could pick any one position to have a different player playing that position at five different schools profiled, what position on the football, you know, you want five quarterbacks? Do you want a documentary mm, I, following around quarterbacks? I feel like that's been done so many times. I say definitely not. Yeah. Quarterbacks I'm are going. too self-aware largely and they're trying to just have good PR about them. Give me wide receivers. That's wide receivers, answer. you get a pretty good spectrum. You'll get the short, like, jitterbug types like Rondale Moore who can do everything. You'll get the big dogs. Like <laughs> yeah, but is he, is he a good documentary fodder? Is he funny washing know. the dishes? Is he funny hanging out know. with his friends playing I don't know that Ultimate? about any. I don't okay. know that about any of these guys. Do you? All right. You don't no, know I any think, of these guys. But wide receivers, I think there's a natural confidence to a lot of wide receivers. Sure. And you have to have a self-assured nature. You're going across the middle. So, yeah, I, I think that's right. Um, I think my answer is probably going to be either offensive tackle or defensive tackle. Because those dudes, they're both valued because they play incredibly important positions. So there's going to be a certain degree of confidence and self-assuredness to them as well. But also they're navigating a world that they're not necessarily built to because they're huge. You know, the college apartments aren't necessarily built for huge dudes. And so I think a lot of them have to develop a sense of humor about themselves. So... I'm going to go with with the, the large men here. A lot of eating. I think I think that's the yeah. way to go, Ty. I'll go wide out. Give me Rondale Moore, Tylen Wallace, Rashad Bateman, Amon Ra, St. Brown, and uh, <laughs> Chris Olave. Chris Olave. I have no idea if that would be interesting, but thank you, Brandon. No, I'm just going large dudes. Yeah. Large dudes. Mm-hmm. Two more questions here from the non I mean, I liked watching football. Marvin Wilson. I think Marvin Wilson would be on my list. He seemed Marvin great. Marvin Wilson would be fun. Yeah. He'd be fun. Um, any other questions? Oh, this one I thought, it's it's a football question, but I thought it was fascinating, Ty. We can end with a football question. Surprise on-topic okay. question from the Rexologist. The Rexologist. I don't know if you saw this. Okay. Via okay. Twitter, I believe. On Sports Wars, shout out Sports Wars, available via Wondery. You spoke about how one of Oklahoma's biggest moments in the Texas-Oklahoma rivalry was when they started getting recruits from Texas. For other cross-state rivalries, what does a more, quote, program foundation event look like? And this person says the bias would be Minnesota-Wisconsin, but any is good. So um, what what do you, just in general, what to you has swung, shifted program success level what what are those big moments that you know oklahoma recruiting texas players and and right. building inroads in texas is going to be huge what to you and i don't you don't need to be specific but what sorts of events permeate <laughs> successfully growing programs uh non-conference matchups something that we will likely be without this year 
that exposure. You, but do you think like one? Yeah, I guess boy. In the case of Boise State, that's true. That they raise their profile to such a crazy degree with, yeah. you know, Georgia and Virginia Tech and Oregon. I, yeah, I, I think, think non-conference good. matchups can play a part. I certainly think the postseason can play a part as well, even though those games maybe don't mean as much if you're not in the playoff or one of the big bowl games. But, um, you know, you're really ultimately talking about exposure, what can get you exposure, what can put you on the map. And if you take down a giant, I think... Uh, I think that's a, a seminal moment. That's an important thing. So I would throw that in there as well. I would also add, um, you know, I know it's probably not uh, totally applicable for a school like an LSU or an Oregon because they are already among the most prominent college football programs. But if you can get like a sweet news hit about facilities or uniforms or just something that's novel and new and potentially very interesting to incoming recruits. I think that's interesting. That's a moment. Yeah. That's a PR mm-hmm. hit as opposed to like something that's earth shattering, but it's a tiny little moments like that, that can eventually add up and make your program. I think more appealing to some of those, those top level recruits. Yeah. I, I think all those are right. I think systems become really important in terms of defining programs and raising profiles. We saw what happened with you know, Florida under Steve Spurrier or you know the the uh, military academies running the option, and you know it establishes a reputation. It establishes an identity. I, you know, if I'm going to use an Oregon example, it's having a miracle season the way that Oregon in, Oregon did in 1994, where they go to the Rose Bowl, they eventually get spanked by Penn State, but that raised Oregon's profile and it got the attention of Phil Knight. Built them an indoor practice right. facility after Mike Bellotti was like, okay, what can we do? And then Nike became more involved with Oregon and obviously the the branding of the uniforms and the flashy style and the, the coaching hires, that becomes big. I think continuity with coaches, you know, we still associate Kansas State with Bill Snyder, right? Because he's recruiting junior college players. They're beating teams with more resources and it's just scrappy little Manhattan, Kansas, Kansas State, you know, beating Giants, beating Oklahoma, beating Texas. And it's the continuity of a Bill Snyder program. We saw it with, you know, Bobby Bowden at Florida State and Joe Paterno at Penn State, where it's just like, okay, the identity is tied to these coaches and you know what you're getting when you watch a a Penn State team from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, or a Florida State team in the 90s. I think conference membership, becomes a, a pretty huge change for teams. You know, what what you know Utah was considered to be and TCU was considered to be and West Virginia and you know the, this movement around conferences I think is is a pretty huge deal in terms of perception and identity um and and success in general. And so force of personality among coaches I think is big. You know, Minnesota I think was in need probably of a reboot and PJ Fleck has done a so far really interesting fascinating successful job in minneapolis so i think there are a lot of a lot of it goes to coaches but having those magical seasons i think if you think about northwestern football and what they did in the what mid 90s really has still to this day set the tone of northwestern as like a scrappy winning well put together program um i think that's i I think it's you know a lot is is tied back to coaches but When you have those singular events, like you talked about, that big win, that big moment that, you know, we're still talking about Boise State in 2007. We're still talking about, you know, the giant killers and the trick plays of Boise State. Those become seminal foundational moments that define a program sort of almost in perpetuity. Yeah. Well, the Statue of Liberty play, I mean, we went back, we yeah. we talked about that game. 
right? And it was mm-hmm. ultimately a big old exhibition game. But mm-hmm. Boise had been building to that moment for years. And look, it was a great game. If it weren't such a great game, maybe we're not talking about it. Maybe it doesn't have that kind of outsized impact all these years later. But mm-hmm. fun game to watch, and it definitely helped put Boise on the map. Final question here. I got one more question. Yeah. This is from Cody. Next year, my wife and I will celebrate 10 years of marriage. In the early days, we hashed out a contract that allowed each person full control of what's on the TV during a certain part of the season. Obviously, I negotiated for college football season. This was a loose agreement early on, but became more formalized as the years have passed. It includes addendums for bowl season if my team reaches the playoffs. And the offseason, things like the draft, National Signing Day, etc. During the season, I'm able to watch whatever games I want, knowing that in the offseason, I get no say with lots of reality TV during her time. I've learned about this, Ty. Continue. With the season starting later and still possibly on the brink of being canceled altogether, what suggestions do you have for what I should do slash watch? During my time, should I ask for an addendum because of the pandemic? And if so, what would that be? Any other thoughts or suggestions? Cody, this is a hell of a question, sir. First off, congratulations on 10 years or oh, the yeah. upcoming anniversary. Um, I want marriage suggestions from the man who said, maybe be passive aggressive <laughs> about the dog sleeping in your bed. <laughs> As your big power tip, much to our friend Andy Wall's horror. Again, um, the snarkiness permeates that side of the conversation. <laughs> it's the new Chicago. Would you part like? Of me, would Ty. you like to tell um, me all the answers here, or do I get a say? No, go I'm, ahead. I'm, no, I'm go deferring t- to tell you us first. What you know, okay. wise sir. Let's hear what you got. Okay, so if you're claiming Saturdays during the college football season, you're claiming 15 Saturdays. You know, perhaps you're only really watching TV at night and on weekends. That's my assumption. Not a lot of people spend all day watching TV on a random Thursday. So if the full season is canceled, I say you just keep those Saturdays to watch what you want to watch. And if there's if you can't think of anything that fills out your complete fall run of Saturdays, just take some IOUs. Just say, you know what? I'm going to take half of these for shows I want to watch. And then I'm going to take half of these. or I'm going to take a quarter of these for shows I want to watch. And then... I'm going to pull these forward to the spring. I'm going to defer. And, you know, I'm not going to take, I'm not going to make the decision at opening kickoff. I'm going to defer till the spring. I think that's an option you have. I would say do a lot of research about shows that you've heard are good. Maybe you watch the pilots yourself. You're like, I've always heard Fargo is good. I've always heard The Wire is good. I've always heard, you know, Breaking Bad is good. Um, Insecure, whatever. Always heard these shows are great. What about watching all of or some of the pilot it's like you know what i'm not going to waste my pick on this show because it turns out i'm not into it at all and so that's the way you go you got to do your own scouting is what i'm saying you got a pilot scout pilot scout yeah yeah okay i mean i'm sure you have shows ty do you have a show right now you're like i'd really like to watch that but i'm not sure about the old kate taste kate's not into she's not into billions I've gotten into billions. Okay. She's not into billions. Succession? I haven't gotten into succession yet. You, no. Do you think she would like succession? I don't know anything about succession. Really? Nothing about it. Ooh, Ty. No. Boar's on the floor. Ty, you need to watch succession. 
even if it's does she go to bed earlier than you do? Um, sometimes, not all the time. Take a take a late tie night and watch the pilot of Succession. There's only two seasons. I think there's only ten episodes in each season. I would tell this gentleman here. We're on the floor. I would tell this gentleman here that uh, if you can defer to springtime, you know, provided there is no season, that's got to be your first move. And yeah. I say that with the recognition of the fact that it could overlap some of the reality TV stuff. Like, I don't know what the state of production is in the reality TV universe, but my guess is it's not doing great at the moment. So, well, I think there's a backlog problem. Whether it's a back, I don't know what the deal is there. But my only point is that uh, you could have some overlap, and that could make things interesting. If you push it off to the spring, I would probably just go on like Netflix right now and just find stuff that you're both well, into the, and just stick with that. That's the problem, though. That's that's the tough yeah. part. Yeah. Like I want to watch an episode about Oaxacan street food of some food show on Netflix. And Jody with an eye wants to watch Lennox Hill and people like die of brain surgery mm. and the emotions that go along with that. I, that's not how I want to spend my time. Right. But I do it sometimes. <laughs> and it's, it's, what was the last show? I won't tell, I won't tell her, Ty. What was the last show that you watched that you weren't into, but you watched it because you're part of a partnership? I mean, that's most of the shows, Dan. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> just most give me the shows. Listen, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not saying anything. You can't say anything. it that loud. It's most of the shows. Okay, what which one was was truly pulling teeth? I forget the name of this movie, Dan, but it was about like a weird cult in Norway and they were cannibals and Kate was like, "Oh, I heard this is really good." I was like, <laughs> right. uh, something summer. I forget. S O M M E R. Very strange movie. Not for me. She thought it was terrific. I was like, uh, I don't know about this. What I think is going to happen, by the way, is I think a lot of shows that were too bad to get picked up and purchased, and they're just sitting on a shelf somewhere. Netflix is like, floor is lava. Okay. Yeah, Mid we'll summer. We need something. Mid summer. S O M M A R. Excuse me. Okay. Weird yeah. flick. Mine was probably Lennox L. Weird flick. Just didn't want to watch. Yeah. All right. Well, good question to go out on. We appreciate everyone asking these questions, writing in at solidverbal at gmail.com, hitting us up on social media. Again, going out to the website, solidverbal.com. Sign up for our newsletter now. We'll send you all of our mm -hmm. updates in due time. Also, we've got a subreddit at solidverbal.reddit.com. If you like the show, please go on out to your podcasting app of choice. Give us a five-star review. We promise that kind of stuff helps. We would greatly appreciate it. Does. it. And that's all I got, Dan. That's all, I think that's all I have. Solidverbal.com slash store is the move for the new very soft, very stylish t-shirt. And I guess we should take this time to announce that we are adding Danny Cannell as a third <laughs> Is that... Were we allowed to do that know. yet? I know. You got it. Okay. Next time I have to build up to that with a drum roll. Oh, sorry about that. A little bit out of sync here. <laughs> All right. Welcome to everybody who is listening to the Solid Purple. For that guy over there, my good friend Dan Rubenstein. For myself, Ty Hildebrandt, we will be back on Friday. In the meantime, stay solid. Peace. <laughs>